Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys? Sony Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado on another Rock Your Socks episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are sharing and telling the real story of the cannabis and hemp industry from the perspective and the eyes of the entrepreneurs and change makers who are pushing this incredible industry forward. As you know, it is our mission to empower you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated decisions about how you want to care for yourself, the people that you love, conditions you may be suffering from, or otherwise find out how you can be a part of the most incredible and largest opportunity to create massive change in your families and communities by joining the cannabis and hemp revolution. Um, I am super honored once again to be able to have our second time guest with us today. And we're going to be diving into some pretty cool stuff as our guest today has been a part of creating some really cool projects across the United States. Um, Boris Sharansky is the chief operating officer of Papa and Barkley, one of the most widely distributed brands across California. He also serves as a board member of the Cannabis Distribution Association and is a founding board member of the California Hemp Council, which I'm super excited to talk more about today. Previously, he founded the Iowa Hemp Association and Heartland Hemp Company in Iowa, where he helped families source quality CBD products for their children with epilepsy. And as you know, I have a deep, deep spot in my heart for the medical refugees who have had to leave families, legacies, sometimes whole communities of people in order to move to a state where this type of medicine is made um, available to them and their families. And I've had the pleasure of working with many of the mothers and fathers and family members who have been a part of that transformation on behalf of their own children. So here to share more about the change that he's creating as his role as Chief Operating Officer at Papa and Barkley, please help me welcome my good friend, Boris Sharansky. What's going on, Boris? Hey, Sonia. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really blessed to be here and I'm excited to answer some questions. Man, I'm super excited to have you back on. When the last time we saw each other was at the Emerald Cup in Santa Rosa, which was amazing. You guys had an incredible show out there. We enjoyed your product, um, in particular your dabs, <laughs> the variation of dabs for the 10 days that we were remaining in California. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And um, for, for those who are just listening to this interview and just getting to know you for the first time, will you just quick and dirty tell us a little bit about who you are what your background is and how you ended up in the cannabis and hemp industry. Right. Um, so, I mean, the, the whole story is a long story, uh, but to keep it short and, and sweet, uh, I've always had a relationship with the plant. I, I always say that, you know, ever since I was 18, I guess for many people that's kind of late to come into it, 
Uh, scientifically speaking, we probably shouldn't be indulging too much in cannabis until 24. That's when our brains stop developing completely. And that's after that's pretty much like it's okay. Um, but uh, I have been a friend of the plant since I was 18. I never truly believed in the medical side of it. I always supported legalization. And I always thought medical cannabis was almost like a cover, right, for, for, for legalization um, until I had my own personal experience um, about now, 10 years ago now. Uh, where I developed psoriatic arthritis. Uh, so I was a, a former um, state tennis champion in Iowa. Uh, and I remember like the moment that it really hit me. I was like 25 years old and um, I couldn't hold a racket. I couldn't spend, I went with my old doubles partner to play a game of tennis. I couldn't spend two minutes on the court. Like wow. it, my back hurt, my feet hurt. I was sleeping on the floor because mattresses would make my back hurt too much. Uh, I couldn't pick up um, my daughter for a while when it was going on when after she was born because uh, I was still dealing with it into 2013. Uh, and that just, um, that really crushed me in a big way, right? Um, to be able to do something, to not be able to do something physically. Yeah. Um, and that's when, you know, I'd always smoke cannabis for the pain to help me fall asleep, but the information was always there, right? So I was always getting black market cannabis, probably indicas, high in THC, not really getting all the strains that I really liked. I, I learned early on that the smell and the terpenes of the plant, of the plant and black market will truly dictate what you should be buying, right? Because it speaks to you in many ways, right? Yeah. So I learned that um, on a trip to California, I got some uh, canatonic just from a friend at a dispensary. Two days of smoking this quarter ounce of two to one CBD THC cannabis. And I, I came and I showed my wife, I was up on my tiptoes, which I hadn't done, right? In years. Yeah. Uh, at that point. And she's like, what the fuck if you sorry, what what have you been doing? Oh no, we're uncensored, honey. You say what you want. Sorry. She's like, What what have you been doing? I'm like, I've just been smoking this weed. She's like, successful <laughs> about it. I was like, and you know, and that led me down the rabbit hole. You know, I picked up The Emperor Wears No Clothes. I picked up the pop book by Julie Holland. I started reading some books by Todd McCormick, who's a who's a great OG in the industry, right? Um, Mal Frank, um, Ed Rosenthal, just reading all about this amazing plant and thinking holy cow, like, wow, right? And, and and so that was around 2012. Denver just legalized. I was in Iowa spending 12 hours going back and forth there, 12 hours and 12 hours back. And I was going around to dispensaries, <clears throat> picking up not wheat, cannabis, I mean, some THC, but obviously, but mostly I was going because I had a limit of like a, a seven grams, whatever, for out of state. So I would go there and I would pick up seven grams of like Northern Lights. Um, that was the, the, that was CBD strain. No, it wasn't. It was Harlequin. Sorry, Harlequin, Canatonic, a couple other CBD strains. And like I got to know some of the people at these dispensaries. They're like, man, there's a hemp revolution happening too. And they got me in touch with some of the best hemp extractors. One of them is continues to be um, one of my top sources for hemp CBD uh, on my national product line for Pop and Barkley and for anything else I do. He's, I mean, I've known him since then. And when I discovered these whole plant extractions of cannabis, I started really understanding the difference between cannabis and hemp is really a legal distinction. If you're growing it right, I started understanding sourcing trichomes, how that produces quality oil, and how you can produce quality medicine without a lot of chemical additives, without a lot of separation of the plant, um, and really just sticking to, without lack of better words, grandma's old recipe right? There's strong infusions. We've obviously tweaked infusions a bit. We do it very well. Um, you know, some solventless processes that have been around for millennia. We're just using, you know, the legal market and the ability to scale and, and produce on a large level to be able to extract some amazing medicine out of the plant. You know, think about black market. 
you know, we're, we, we used to just cure product. Now we get to use fresh product, right? So yeah. we get to play with that now. So, you know, my journey there just started. And then like, as you can see, just as I talked about it, my journey with cannabis took me to start the Iowa Hemp Association. There was a limited CBD only law in Iowa. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of medical refugees going to Colorado, right? But as soon as we passed that law, there were many moms that supported that law. God bless them that had the ability and the funds to send their children or send someone to, to get CBD for them in Colorado and bring it back. But I got berated by 40, 50 families right away when this passed that were, you know, rural Iowa, probably on social security, many of them, many of them not having jobs on disability with just tragic, sad situations. Um, and it seemed like I was just in a place where I had found a way Instead of buying flour all the time, I had already converted to buying extracts and, and infusions from Colorado. And yeah. I was bringing the, I was, I was an, a black market provider of cannabis oil that didn't get you high, right? And so I was bringing it back. I remember even having a meeting with the Office of Drug Control Policy in Iowa. And I laid out all the oils for them with all the COAs. And I said, this is what I'm doing. And, and he's just like his mouth open. He's like, Dale Woolery. He's like, you, Forrest, you're incriminating yourself just by being here. Why are you showing me this? I'm like, I want you to know what I'm doing. I'm, 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 you guys did not have an avenue in the law to allow us to import CBD. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in doing this illegally, but once I'm here, I don't even have a supplier certificate from you guys because the law doesn't give me that, but there are families that need this medicine. So I'm telling you so that if I ever do get pulled over, I don't, I'm not saying you gotta let me go, but you're aware. And I've made you aware. And on every shipment I'd send him my COAs. Right. And I never got busted. I'm not saying that was because of him, but I think that you know, that led me into Iowa. I learned CBD, cannabis sourcing, cannabis quality. I started consulting around the nation on, um, you know, processing and, and such. And one thing led to another. And I met my partners here um, at Papa and Barkley, uh, one of the founders at a conference, a medical cannabis conference in Israel. Um, the first ICANN conferences. Um, I went there for just to see what was going on, what was new in medical cannabis. One of the first medical cannabis conferences yeah. in Israel. I met Rafael Mishulam. I also met Ellie Gordis, who was one of the founders or co-founders of this company, which originally was just supposed to be an investment fund. Um, but Adam, my partner, had this amazing experience with his papa, his father, who's papa on the packaging, yeah. the support dog for Adam's father. Uh, Adam's father had scoliosis. And, you know, as we were, they brought me in as a consultant to evaluate other cannabis companies they wanted to invest in. But Adam had this passion and he said, no, wait. Why I'm not going to name names, but we were looking at some very prominent other wellness brands that are in the cannabis yeah. space. And we said, why would we invest in them? We created this amazing product. He literally got his father off of hospice with this product, wow. he was changing lives around him. And his passion fueled this creation of this brand. We just said, you know what? It's 2016. We're betting that November we're going to legalize into Prop 64. Let's get this product out there. So we got our bombs, we got our patches, we created some a body soak and a body oil. Those are our first offerings in 2016. Um, luckily, at the time, some of the major and and OG dispensaries were uh, took us on, and they had some trust in us, and we developed some strong relationships. And then we've been navigating this crazy world of legalization ever since. I feel like I've been in it for 30 years, but it's only been like 10. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one day is like one month in this industry and one like month that. is like a year. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's such an incredible story and such a different one than what I got at the Emerald Cup. So this is a badass. I love hearing your story. Really super similar to mine in the sense that like 
I, I was an um, avid surfer, lifeguard in high school. And after getting knocked off of my board and smacking the ocean floor like a ton of bricks, it triggered this whole like seizure type neuropathy syndrome in my body where I'd literally go into full body cramps and, um, you know, lose feeling in my fingers. I mean, I would go from having a normal conversation to like falling on the floor and convulsing out of nowhere. And it wasn't until I had spent way too much time and money with the traditional medical system being over medicated, super depressed, over a hundred pounds gained over a three-year period um, that I finally found a holistic neurologist out of Europe who advised me on how to use cannabis and hemp products and its and their derivatives to completely transform the way that I was feeling and functioning on a daily basis. And within three months, I was off my medicines, within six months off over the counters, and within nine months had lost almost 100 pounds. So I can totally relate to that sort of personal connection with the plant and that intense drive and passion that it gives you to serve other people that you see who lives being transformed with it. It's, it almost sounds cheesy because I say it so often. We're like, Oh, we're changing lives. Powerful than being able to help others. You know, I'm I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, that's okay. Um, you know, there's one thing for it to affect me and I, and I, you know, there's always a placebo effect. You're like, wow, this is working. Right. (laughs) But when I see like, you know, Harley Kirkpatrick and and her mom, Tammy, that was one of my first people that I met with. Yeah. She's now five and a half years seizure free. I mean, she's had a couple here and there, but she was having dozens a day. Yeah. Right? And and just to see that, that I saw her quality of life improve. And we had this case over case. And I'm not saying they're all successes, like 60% of the time at work, 40% of the time it did nothing. Yeah. <clears throat> so just to be clear about that, but um, yeah. when it worked, it's magical. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's no, no other word. My partner, Adam, always talks about what's the definition of magic. It's, it's being able to, to heal people, to heal others with, you know, with nothing but a plant. And how, there's no other word but magical for that. So you can't stress it enough. I know. Absolutely. And just, you know, people question all the time because we share as a media company, we're able to share these miracle stories. We're able to talk about you know, things that other brands, as a brand, you cannot say, you cannot talk about the real transformations that you're witnessing. But me as a media outlet, I can say whatever the fuck I want. And so I've been really enjoying talking about the, you know, countless transformations that people are experiencing on all sides of the spectrum. I'd love to talk a little bit more about um, the relationship that you have built as a brand with the farmers and and how that has been such an intricate part of your guys' success. Unfortunately and fortunately, you know, we have seen very talented legacy farms and farmers take a total and complete plunge due to legalization and, and the restrictions and the financial you know, outlay that you have to have in order to even compete in this marketplace. And many people who are the most skilled have really suffered at the hands of legalization until they're meeting companies like yours who are developing relationships that are really high in integrity. Talk to me a little bit about how you've developed those relationships and how it's mutually beneficial for both the grower and the brand. Sure. So one, I just want to say, I think we're not the only ones. There's a lot of great buyers up in Humble and and the, and the, and the Emerald Triangle that are doing the right thing, um, right? Um, Bear Actrax, Sisu. There, there's a lot of great big buyers up there that yeah. I think are just great, and I, and I think that that feeling of community 
and togetherness that that only the Emerald Triangle has in this cannabis as a cannabis community. It's a special place, and yeah, we're very privileged and blessed to be a part of that. Um, in terms of you know legacy growers, I've seen it myself. You know, I have mixed feelings on it. I'll be completely honest. I don't I don't pull punches. I think that some may have there, there's different there's different categories of them. Some have done well enough in the illicit or in the traditional market that they just don't have the they just don't want to be in the new yeah. market, right? And yeah. they're actually taken care of. And I think I worry less about them. I think there's their their hurt is more nostalgic than it is actually active hurting them in their paycheck today. I think yeah, for sure. farmers that um, some legacy, definitely like if you, t- I mean, to me, 15 years is legacy, but some of these guys have been out there for 30 or 40 years, right? So 15 to 20 years, people that are trying to make it and they're, they're broken between two. One part is the kids of the legacy farmers and then, you know, and then the progeny. And then the other half is maybe some people that come to up from SoCal or the Bay area and have kind of inserted themselves there. And there yeah. is a little tension between those two groups, yeah. which we we don't get in the middle of that, but it's just having being in this and seeing it. You're you're aware of them, right? And you're yeah. aware of these tensions. You have to be. You have to be. So you know, just all of that. All of that is is community. That that's the cannabis community, and it's differing parts of the cannabis community working together. And I think it's a beautiful thing. If we focus on sort of the what's not working, I think it's not great. But what is working, you know, I always bring up the example of like Sunrise Farms, Sunrise Mountain Farms, which is um, uh, my friend Dave. And Laura Lee, uh, they own that farm. They've, um, you know, they came up trimming here, uh, and then they saved up their money. Laura Lee bought the farm. She met Dave. They, they're now a union with beautiful children, and they literally, with their hands, scraped out this spot on the side of the mountain that is a regulated, legal spot. They've worked through everything, and they've bet, you know, two years worth of net income, you know, on regulatory growing and and, and all these things. So when we see People like that who are maybe not traditional legacy. They're not 30 or 40 year farmers, but they are people that are trying to do it right. They're treating the earth right. They're treating the farms right. They're they're not trying to nickel and dime anyone. And they're producing amazing flour. You know, one of the most amazing things of working with cannabis is that it's truly a responsive plant. What you put in, and I'm not just talking about nutrients. I'm talking about your love and attention, yeah. your time and your care somehow that manifests itself into better trichomes. It's and like a woman. <laughs> call me a wacko, but I truly see that with, with, with the cannabis plant, many other plants, but the cannabis plant, especially because of its healing and magical powers. Right. So um, we find those people. And when we find them, as we've scaled, you know, we were, we had the benefit of scaling quickly. Right. And we had the benefit of just doing well and people really accepted our products and we were really grateful. And as we scaled quickly, you know, we could have gone to distributing. We did for a while and just got whatever they had for us. And we'd go to their warehouse and pick out. But then we realized, hey, if we just have a truck and we go out to the farms, we can truly, you know, how fun is it to go to a farm? It's amazing. How amazing is it to meet the farmer that's growing your medicine? And how, how rewarding of a process is it for your employees when you can, I'm sorry, one second, when you can, when you can bring, go to the farm, see where it's grown, meet the people that grew it, see how it's cut down, bring that all the way down to your processing facility, make it into beautiful product, and then bring that to the market yourself. Like we see every single part of our sourcing uh, pipeline. And in cannabis, one thing I've seen is, you know, because of our delicate process, we use a solve in this process. So mm-hmm. we, we're all ice hash, keefing, 
rosin, and oil infusions. We do no extraction from CO2. We do no distillation. We do no ethanol. The only isopropyl that we have is to clean the tables, right? So that's what we always say. There's no butane anywhere, right? And not that I, I hate any of that, but we've made a commitment to clean solventless extraction and scaling that has been difficult. But the one thing that makes it easy is clean input product. And when you have small farms dedicated to that pot of land and dedicated to making the best medicine possible, it's not attacked every time. Right. Like, and, and when you, when you find those relationships, those are special and it's not about nickel and diming them on price. It's about maintaining that quality of input product because we know input product is king. If you have yeah. the quality input product, everything else is gravy. <clears throat> and yeah, uh, I think that that's a, I think that that's probably one of the key differentiators. And, and I know, you know, from my experience and, and I grew up in the Emerald Triangle, my mom still has, you know, property out in Mendocino County. Um, and a lot of, my, I mean, if you watch Murder Mountain, a lot of my like uncles and aunties and, you know, my mom's friends that she was going to Hartwood College with out of Garberville are featured in, in, you know, when they're talking about the pioneers of the industry. So when I talk about legacy, that's what I'm referring to. And then generationally, things get a little bit diluted, including the culture. Um, but the community around it and how new business comes into old world industry, I think is really important. And I admire quite a bit what you're talking about, especially when it comes to pricing, because if we can maintain the quality of cannabis price is not really the determination. No, it's not, not it at all. Be the not at all. I, I, yeah, I know the extraction rates and I know how much things cost. Obviously, a forty dollar ba- bag of trim is better than a hundred twenty dollar bag of trim. You know, in terms of pricing, you get yeah. tax, but at one hundred twenty bucks, you can still turn a profit if you're creating your own products, right? So yeah. we focus on efficiencies, on having our own distribution, on owning our own manufacturing. Let the farmers do their magic. And we just have a really good transportation network between everything, right? Yeah. All the way from the farm. And we do final mile delivery to our dispensaries. And that way, quality control is able to be down pat. And, and that's the most important thing. And to your point, we pay more to small farms than we do to, to large scale distributors. So we yeah. pay more dollars per pound. The reason for that is we go through a quality, a quantitative and qualitative test that basically breaks down trichome size, potency, um, terpene quant, uh, content, uh, yield, color, um, cure, all those things, right? And and once we get to what we like, it seems like the small farms who are trying to do it right and trying to maintain that legacy of terroir that we have in, in the Emerald Triangle, tri- triangle, sorry, tri- triangle, um, we want to support that, right? Because if we don't, <clears throat> as one of the biggest buyers in the area, then what happens? Then warehouse farming becomes a thing. Then we have single monocropping, and that's something we're fighting against. We don't want that. We yeah. love the variety that we are able to achieve in all the different flour that we get, yeah. right? And we focus on ratios, not strains right now, but eventually I'd like to focus on strains. We're not focusing on strain specific right now simply because we're not scaled to that level yet. We yeah. need enough of it. Um, but we will be, and and once we get there, that, that's the next step. And, but if once we get there, if we've only been buying you know, one strain that's performing well for 10, you know, thousand farms, you know, then we're kind of up shit's Creek in in terms of, you know, getting uh, really differentiated cannabis products. 
Well, I I really like how you brought the old school, you know, it sort of respect that that is very much a part of that um, industry and into the new age of the cannabis industry. And I think that most people can take note because I've been to a lot of I've been to a lot of dispensaries who don't carry that same mentality. It's very profit driven and not people driven. And I think that there's a lot of longevity um, that is built you know, with the industry and also in the integrity of a brand, you can see consistently, like, no matter where I go in California to, I, if I see Papa and Barkley there, and this is important for those of you guys who are listening and considering, you know, your entry into the market, or if you're playing already a role with an existing brand, it's really important to understand that the consistency and dependability of your product helps you to have the stickability that you're going to need, you know, to stay relevant in the industry. If you're just going after the profits and you're willing to compromise quality, you're not going to be around for very long. So take note of that. I think it's a really important thing. Now, as a cannabis company, many, many people have not drank the CBD Kool-Aid. A lot of folks will call it diet weed. And so I'm really interested to hear um, your opinion of the I mean, incredibly rapidly growing CBD industry. I know that you guys um, also have a nationally distributed CBD brand, which I want to hear more about. Um, But I'd love to hear, you know, with the ups and downs of these hockey stick growth patterns that we're seeing in the hemp industry and that we have seen over the last few years, um, I want to talk a little bit about where you see the future of hemp inside co-mingling or even separate from the cannabis industry and and how you think these two worlds should or could coexist or collide. Sure. So predicting the future is tough. So I don't have a crystal ball. Um, there's a lot of um, schools of thought. I, I go after my truth, so I can share that. I mean, some of the schools of thought are cannabis will just become another API, right? It'll just become another ingredient in the beauty industry and the food industry, and it'll be just like ginkgo biloba or whatever, right? Yeah. I, I, you know, I feel like we manifest the futures that that the way that we think of that, that you know the future manifests itself the way that we work towards it, right? And so, my future, my hope, my my truth in the cannabis world is that across plant medicine, can, cannabis is one of the priestesses, right? If you want to yeah. want to look at it that way, it is one of the top ones. It is better is is higher than kava. It is higher than valerian root. I don't believe it's going to become another API. I'm I'm strongly uh, against that. Uh, I don't think that's where it's going. It may, so I'm not saying I'm against that, but I don't think that's where it's going. I think it's a much more powerful um, API. So the way I look at the hemp industry, and I'll step back for a second. I want to reiterate what I said before. Hemp is a legal term. That's it. And nowadays, it may have meant something in 1915 or 1850, but like it is a legal term right now, very specifically referring to cannabis. That's any cannabis plant that's under 0.3% THC. Traditionally, hemp has been for fiber and seed, but we've seen the hemp CBD revolution, which really is just a CBD revolution. That's all it is. It's a, and, and, and that's micro and macro. It's a cannabis revolution. It's part of the cannabis yes. revolution. The way I see it is THC is still being chained back. Right. Like we're chained back by these state laws, still federally legal, still schedule one, can't fuck with anything. Right. Like, oh, we're being held back. But somehow and I commend the hemp industry for this. This is why I hate the the the, the, the tension. I hate the tension between yeah. the cannabis marijuana, for lack of a better term, and hemp industries. We should be 
together building a cannabis industry. And so the way I see hemp CBD, national CBD, I don't want to call it hemp CBD, the national uh, market is uh, the multi-state market is, you know, we've looked at it at least as an opportunity to stay true to ourselves as a cannabis company. We are a cannabis company. We believe in full spectrum. We believe in all the use and the freedom to use all cannabinoids in the plant. And we stress that. For example, on our website, we say, you know, we had a great Instagram thing that said, hey, what are you looking at? Are you looking for public market products? Yes. Are you in California? Yes. Go to a dispensary. No. Well, are you um, outside of California? Yes. Does it have um, uh, CBD? Yes. Then buy our product online. So we're always saying we our, our national product is a way to educate and expand our brand nationally because that's what the hemp industry has given us. They've given us an opportunity as cannabis companies to own the narrative. Don't let beauty, CBD is not a beauty ingredient. Don't let the beauty industry come in and take over that. CBD has a lot of useful uses. Most of them are ingestible, not topical to be completely yeah. clear. THC and CBD we find together work better topically than just the CBD only, but yeah. the CBD only is also very, very effective. Now, having said that, let's define CBD only. Let's define hemp CBD. What do we do? We take full hemp flour, and I mean, we went on a tour of 12 different farms across five different states from Western United States to Eastern United States. We ended up landing on a farm in Wisconsin and a farm in Vermont because they passed California testing standards. We test everything in the national hemp market against California Prop 64 standards, 63 pesticides, all our myto mycotoxins, all the lead thing, everything. Like uh, we have, aside from Canada, is the most rigorous cannabis testing uh, protocol in the world. Right. Maybe aside from farmer, too. So farmer, Canada and California. Right. <laughs> and it's much, much, much more intense than anything in the vitamin industry. Let's just put yeah. it. And we use. So not everybody's doing that. So when you see CBD or not CBD, you have to make sure how is it tested? Is there a COA? And that's so we're staying true to our cannabis roots in California, our MRSA roots and Mercursa roots under the regulated system here. We test everything under those regulations. Um, the next point is we also do a full plant infusion. Right. So we take that hemp flour and we do a whole plant infusion in coconut oil or we take the dried uh, hemp flour, we keef it and we press that into rosin that goes into our lotions. So everything is still very true to our processes here in California, very true to our sourcing where we have minimum cannabinoid content, which, by the way, in the hemp flour, it tends to be 17 to 20 percent CBD on what we're using. Right. It's been beautiful with THCV, CBG, CBC. CB, some CBN, like all the cannabinoids are hitting in yeah. our national hemp. And if you compare our CBD capsules and our CBD tincture on national with our CBD 30 to 1 and our 30 to 1 tincture here in California, we'll say for a few cannabinoids, they're pretty much the, the same COA, right? You, you, could be con, you could confuse them for each other. So it comes down to sourcing. If you're talking about a CBD isolate or somebody just putting 50 milligrams of CBD into a 500 milliliter beauty jar, those are novelty items. We have to talk about dosing. Topically, it should be 6 to 12 milligrams per ml. Um, orally, it should be 15 to 50 milligrams per ml, right? We have to talk about that in order, in order for it to be a wellness thing. But CBD is helping the cannabis industry go national. But once we unleash the chains from THC, it's going to be one of the largest APIs. And, and, and it's going to also, I believe the companies that are able to straddle both lines are going to help then shape the overall cannabis industry. Um, thereafter is that is that a good enough answer i'm sorry i kind of droned on there yeah no 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 it's a perfect answer actually i think um 
I agree with you in so many ways. And I think that there's still, you know, I, I interface a lot with the consumer. So I laugh when I hear like hemp, cannabis, mar- the consumer is just trying to still figure out what the hell the difference yeah. is between cannabis and hemp. But I think for me personally, that the differentiation of all of these things have just caused a, quite a bit of confusion that we now have to go and unravel. Yeah. And I question consistently like, has it contributed to the positive image or are we creating more of a stigma that no, no, we have to, no, no, we have to dilute? Not, I just want to be cool. We're not creating a stigma. This fight is internal. Nobody out there that's not involved in the industry and not, like in this debate, unless they're like a really red in consumer, who knows about this? Like, they don't care. They, they just see CBD or this. And I think they're hearing that full spectrum is better, but you know, I think they're just catching up. I think we're, it's kind of like we're in the cold water, ready to swim to the buoys. Everyone's still knee deep, like thinking they're going to jump in. Like they're, we have to come back and help educate people. But I don't think people on the outside are seeing the fight between CBD and marijuana or hemp and marijuana. I don't think they're seeing it as much as we are. Well, they're not seeing the fight, but again, like, you know, 60% of my audience is the more mature, like 50 plus audience. And so they're like, you know, I, I'll, I'll use this example. I was at the hot springs the other day and this, they bust in this like group of elderly folks <laughs> into the hot springs. And we're like, they're like descending upon us with their walkers and their, <laughs> and their uh, wheelchairs and they're getting into the water. And, um, me and my husband were talking about, you know, CBD and we were talking about cannabis and this new line and blah, blah, blah. And, and about 10 of them flocked around us and they were like, is that, that marijuana? Oh no, I don't use marijuana. I use CBD. And, and so they started to talk back and forth and, and every single one of them were confused about the difference in each. And so we spent some time educating and just talking about the differences and to help things become clear. And I see a lot through my, through my thread on the, on the less educated consumer, um, that they are, you know, still unclear as to the difference and what they can expect as a result. However, I think brands like yours, and there's a few others who do a really great job doing microchasm education um, that is helping sort of dilute that confusion right now. But it definitely does exist amongst the consumers, especially in states where are more rural. Yeah, I will 100% agree with you. One of the things we're doing, um, you know, we... One of our initiatives, marketing initiatives is to, there's two things. One is the one plant initiative. So to understand that cannabis and hemp are just cannabis and to educate around that. And then the second initiative is owning the first conversation on cannabis. So we have to own that conversation to educate the folks that you're talking about that have this confusion. So I go, the part of it is, yeah, I go out on speeches and, I, and, and our BAs are all trained with presentations to talk about what is hemp? What is cannabis? How do we source? What is the difference? What are you taking when you're taking a 30 to one? Or what are you taking when you're taking a CBD only? Uh, what's an isolate or a distillate or a full plant? Um, yeah, you have to walk them through. I, I hear you. And, and that's definitely a, a true statement. And, you know, education has been paramount for us. For four years that we've been in the market, uh, we've been investing in education and distribution. Those are the two things. We have to educate our consumers, educate our butt tenders, and, and then be able to distribute our own product. Well, I'm excited to come and check you guys out. And when I'm out in California, I'm getting ready to come out there for a few different uh, for a few weeks. And I'm excited to go. First of all, I'm not a huge dab person. But when I find vaporization, vaporization. Okay, so 
dabs, vaporization, however you want to call it. I'm not huge on the concentrates thing. I'm kind of rootsy. I like my flower. However, when I tried your guys' concentrates out of the emerald cup, I was like, where's my Papa and Barkley? <laughs> I was like, it was the best. So I'm excited to come out and do a help me pick my weed segment at a couple of the different dispensaries that you guys are distributing through. Um, but I want to talk for a second because I think that there's a common misconception that this is a fast cash rich industry that anybody can, can jump in here and become immediately successful. And that there is like ways for, um, you know, just anybody to get in here and, and strike it rich. On, on the flip side, and somebody who's been a part of this industry for 10 years plus, my husband and I, between the two of us, have been a part of the soil to sale process for almost 38 years now, a part of legalization process, owned and operated first dispenser, one of the first hundred dispensaries here in Colorado. I know for sure that you will break your back or lose your mind <laughs> trying to build and start a cannabis company if you're not fully aware or prepared to navigate through the regulatory landscape. So I'd love to hear from you what have been what what does it actually take? And let's give a really clear picture to those people who are listening in. What does it actually take to succeed successfully start, build, grow and scale a cannabis company with the current landscape of regulatory of regulation in in the United States? Well, it's not just regulation. Uh, you know, I, that the answer to that question changes every six months. Just, yeah, every three. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. And, and and case in point, if you had asked me six months ago, I would say have a uh, a killer brand, killer product, um, and and some distribution re- and does some distribution agreements and an ability to manufacture, um, and then you know raise some money, right? Because that was what everybody was doing. Mm-hmm. That's now not going to work. The market's crashed. So, so for everybody's uh, understanding, um, although you know the cannabis industry is doing well, people overbet on it. We created a bubble out of it. And, and that was really led by Canadian investing. So Canadian public markets and cannabis took about a 75 to 90% drop. And if anybody's following the news and seeing what's going on with MedMen, you know, they're, they're one of the tales um, of sort of negativity here, right? So that, you know, I won't speak to them, but a lot of this is you know, depending on raising money to grow your business is not going to work anymore, right? So, um, sorry, you know, years ago when we started, that that did work. You know, so we we raised money from a group of friends and family based on an idea and a vision, and that's sort of my second point. Is you know, I've consulted a few people that call me, you know, friends of friends that want to get into cannabis, and you know, like, well, you know if I could just get a supply and then I can make this product and then I thought I'd go sell it. I'm like, no, why, why do you want to do this? Right? Like the why of anything you do is so much more important than the what and being, it can't just be about flipping a, a, a profit. We've got 50% margin at re, um, 50% extra price at retail because of extra taxes between cultivation and excise taxes in California, for example, uh, with a black with a traditional market, is still 67% of the market in California. Uh, because of that, we still have illegal shops that you're dealing with here. So if you're expecting to make any money, you're not going to. You better come into it with a strong business plan, a strong ability to stick to a budget. 
If you really do want to jump into this industry right now, if you don't have experience dealing with a budget, if you're not able to control your finances at home, for example, this is not a good industry to be in. <laughs> it is um, it is rough because it's cash driven. Um, people need to be paid. Your suppliers need to be paid. Your testing costs amount to, I mean, at our level, we're a large company. We spent over a million dollars in testing last year. So testing will be, and that amounted to, you know, it's, 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 it's more than a few percentage points on, on our total revenue numbers, right? So yeah. if you, I would not recommend you coming into this because you think it's just a, a green field for entrepreneurs, right? Or a green field to make a buck. It is a green field for entrepreneurs, but strong entrepreneurs, people that have run a business before, people that have managed a supply chain before. You know, right now, even at our level, we're converting into an ERP. We have 3,500 different stock items between the things that we buy, our packaging, our, our different cannabis products, our different intermediates, all of that, 3,500 items that we need to be able to trace each and every, each and every one of them to each batch. So if you don't, I mean, you might not be able to afford a $300,000 ERP system, but you know, you better be able to track that for yourself in Google Sheets or Excel or something. And if you don't have the ability to do that, don't be getting into this because if, the, if you can't track your, if you can't um, pay your taxes here and um, guarantee there's no diversion, so be able to show with documents that there has been no diversion of cannabis from your company, you're going to be out of business in a few months. Yeah. Right? So. This is not for the faint of heart. I mean, and and when I say well, the why is more important than the what, well, I'm not here to make money, right? Like I have a salary and hopefully my equity turns into something at some point. But I, uh, I'm i not here to make money. I'm here for our mission at Pop and Barking. It's going to sound cheesy and forgive me, but I truly believe in as do my partners. We're here to unlock the power of cannabis to improve lives. That's our mission at Pop and Barkley. Um, our 10-year goal is to be a uh, global brand recognizes best in class in this industry. That's what we're that's what we're here to do. And so if that takes money, that takes budget cuts, that takes hiring people, that takes firing people, that takes sourcing, that but 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 all of that what comes only after you realize why do you want to get into cannabis? If the answer is I want to make money, get the hell out. No one's making money. Yeah. Not one company is maybe the testing labs and a few sourcing companies. Like I think, you know, some CBD sourcing companies that make money, but there's very few brands and products that are making money right now. Everyone's losing money. And this year is going to be the year of consolidation. Just so everybody knows yeah. this is the year, you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a good position because we were able to raise money last year. Um, but we didn't raise as much as we wanted to. And we still have to be very fiscally responsible going into this year. Right, we are in a better position than others, but I can tell you, I know brands in the industry that have weeks, if not months, if not weeks left in cash. Right, you're going to start seeing some things happen that will surprise people, and MedMen's not the first one. Right, like there, there is a lot that's going on right now, and so if you're entering it with these hopes and dreams of making money right now, no. But if you're entering it, and you're a smart entrepreneur. Right now is the time to watch these startup companies, watch these brands, and see as they consolidate. There's going to be Indeed's going to be blowing up. You know what I mean? The, 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 the job market for it will be blowing up. Um, and if you're following cannabis, once you're in it, once you understand the sourcing requirements, the processing, the regulatory requirements, once you can speak that language, well, then you can start thinking about doing something different. This is not like diving into any other industry. It comes with its entirely own, its own set of rules and regulations and principles and culture, most importantly. Yeah. Um, there's a culture here that, you know, they can sniff you out if you're not real. 
You know, Hell yeah. They know you're full of shit within a minute, right? Hey, so- I say that that's still like one of the, the one of the most true parts of the industry is that like back in the day, you had to know a guy who knew a guy in order to get your bag. Like it's still that relationship business, whether or not people acknowledge it, it's still that. And the ones who are inside know it. So I absolutely love that. Okay. Two questions I have final. Number one, and you outlined this pretty well, but I want to have more specifics because we are serving, you know, companies of all different sizes. I think everyone is feeling the burn that this is a time for consolidation. They're getting ready for that because they want to be acquired. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, we have tons of folks who are listening in who want to understand how to apply their current skill sets so that they can participate in a job capacity, but bring their unique skill sets to help build and grow these brands. So one question I have for you is, what are some of the key challenges that you guys are experiencing at a business at your size? And um, what kind of skill sets would help solve those challenges for you? Um, Project management, right? So cross-departmental project management is something that uh, you got to find the right people that can, you know, um, an ERP implementation is a perfect example, right? Uh, new packaging is another perfect example. So uh, ERP implementation involves every single functional group that touches our system, which means our production team, our, our distribution team, our um, sales team, and our finance team, and our sourcing team, right? Between cannabis and non-cannabis. All of them need to work together through a project manager to incorporate a, a system that's going to combine all of our different facilities from NorCal to SoCal to Central California and all of all of our inventory systems. So you need people that are able to be likable, be very organized, have a history of project management, and be able to implement things like that. Another great example is, you know, uh, new product development. Um, you know, it used to be that cannabis companies would just come out with their branded products, but really if you're a CPG, if you're a consumer product goods company, you need to be iterating products. You need to have a product development roadmap. You need to know what you're making in 18 and 24 months. And, you know, having someone that can manage that type of process, cross-functional people that, Hey, um, production, you R&D, you guys need to get us the, uh, the, the five uh, samples of these gummies or whatever, uh, by next week, if we're going to make our packaging deadline, because marketing needs the, all the graphics done by March 15th, because if we're not going to do that, then we're not going to hit our July launch date. Right. And the thing about the current time of consolidation, why are we doing is because cannabis companies have been overspending. Spending now is going to be focused on efficiencies and process. So project management is key being able to go in there and be able to say hey i can manage multiple groups i'm not they're not i'm not their boss you might be managing the cmo the cfo the comptroller a marketing manager a logistics coordinator you know you might be managing a group it's like it's true teamwork right but that's like such a that's what they teach a business school right like that, that that's exactly what you do you're broken off into teams you got to solve problems together that skill so crucial right now so crucial um, cannabis sourcing um yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just for the OGs on the line. If you're, if you, <laughs> if you have that ability, you have that ability to create relationships and you, you have some established relationships in the industry, you probably already know it, but you're a pretty valuable person. Um, anybody on quality control, right? So quality control and uh, metric, right? So, I mean, it's not so much metric. It's more like getting ready for GMP, um, HACCP. So hazard analysis, critical control points, things like that. OSHA, type stuff, you know, those types of positions are going to become available. 
Um, and finally, you know, in some of the bigger brands, you know, if you have a lot of experience and you have a business background, uh, C-level and senior VP level positions, executive level positions will be opening up, right? Yeah. Not, not here. Uh, don't come after my job. Uh, <laughs> in other places, you know, as there's consolidation, as, you know, teams are wiped out, as owners are bought out, things are going to happen, right? And so, you know, keep, like, well, I always tell people, you know, subscribe to all the alerts on LinkedIn and Indeed and Monster and wherever else you look for, for cannabis um, jobs because they will start re- coming in over the next six months. Is that a good enough answer? I, I thought I'd give Man, that was the money. That was the money shot right there. I love the answer. It was so good. And you combined the final thing that I was going to ask you, which are what are some words of wisdom, but you you wove it right in there and in the way that you were answering the last question. I think one of the things that I would piggyback and add on to that is for those of you guys who are listening in and considering to get in is I, I cannot emphasize this enough. Teamwork makes the dream work and really understanding your unique skill sets and how you can apply them to an existing team to improve the effectiveness and efficiency. At the end of the day, the ability to run or uh, participate at a high level with a business is your ability to make a decision with confidence and competence and then ha- and have your team working with you in a fluid manner. Because at the end of the day, a business's job is to bring the most amount of value into the marketplace with the most amount of leverage. And you can't do that on your own. So yeah. teamwork... Sorry. That's okay. Teamwork makes the dream work. And a really great um, resource for you guys who are tuning in is um, Roger Hamilton's Millionaire Master Plan and the Wealth Dynamics. It's a profiling test that has taken 5,000 years of the I Ching and paired it with modern day capitalism to help you understand who you are and how you should be operating within a team. For instance, I'm like an Oprah, Beyonce, Ellen DeGeneres, who has built my career through my relationships and my network um, and telling the story of this particular industry, whereas somebody like Warren Buffett makes all of his money specifically based off of timing and making sure that the decision he makes is at the right time for the right event. There's people like Jeff Bezos who are totally and completely focused on systems and then Richard Branson, who is a creative. So understanding what role you are in your highest genius or highest point of power is going to help you to understand how you can pair yourself with a brand, or if you have the gumption and the funding, how you can start one of your own and starting to build your team. Do not go at this alone. It's all about who you have around you and who you know, that's going to help you grow quickly and effectively. That's what I got to say about that. Can I piggyback on that for a second? Please do jump in. Teams are so important trusting your teams is i mean right there with it right if you trust your pro have a good hiring process hire slowly fire quickly have a good hiring process and if you trust the people that you hire trust them to do the things that you're scared to let go of always and to piggyback on the other thing you said absolutely like don't always think that you have to come in and be the boss or start your own company in this industry especially in this year there's a lot of money to be made potentially in value. If you believe in the industry, if you believe in cannabis, then taking a deal that instead of negotiating for a higher pay, because a lot of companies might not be able to do that, negotiate for some equity, negotiate to get some equity that's, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of value right now, or in the tens of thousands, which will, you know, has the potential to go five to 15 X increase over the next few years. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
if you do the math for yourself, but always keep yourself open to, you don't necessarily have to be the CEO or the COO or the VP or, but if you can put yourself in a very valuable position, like one of these project manager positions and say, I'm here to stay. I want to do this thing. I don't want to go anywhere, but here, but I want to, you know, I want a good package and that package has to include equity. I think you're going to, and, and make my bonus structure include equity as well. That is a, that's a way to build wealth in this industry if you truly believe in the industry. And if you have a brand that you really believe in and you're, you're, you're going after. So that would be my advice when you're seeking something. You don't always look to be the man. Look to be like the pinch hitter that they need, right? Like that the, 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 that fills a position that no one else is filling. Absolutely. Some of the some of the things that I'm I'm noticing are really super high value right now um, are your ability uh, to tell stories, content marketing, and marketing in general. That's always a major major way to um, if you have the ability to capture yeah. and connect and convert an audience. Through content creation, for a budget, yeah. <laughs> um, then, then you are hyper valuable. Compliance and legal, major, major. Anything in accounting and keeping books, major, major. Um, and then again, team and project managing, so incredible. And by the way, those of you who have trades, um, uh, trades abilities like HVAC and construction and all types of stuff like that, man. Yeah. You guys are necessary in this place right now. Get some unique skill sets and understand the licensing regulations in your state because guess what? It is going legal. And if you know how to build out a beautiful, cost-effective facility that can help people produce, manufacture, package, ship, whatever, you're going to be a highly sought-after talent, let me tell you you. That's what I got for you right now, Boris. I'm super excited to be developing the relationship with you guys and Papa and Barkley and watching your guys' journey. Can't wait to come out to California. I'm super excited to do a ride along with you guys because I know you do a ton of senior education. Um, So I'm super excited to do that. Can you please tell our audience where they can find you if they want to find out more about you guys, what you do, how they can participate or even purchase products? Um, Yeah. uh, Well, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram. My name is really difficult, but it's probably in the podcast, but it's at B Sharansky, S-H-C-H. Um, Pop and Barkley has an Instagram at Pop and Barkley. Uh, we're also on the website, popandbarkley.com. Uh, we have all of our products up there. All of our um, educational materials are on our website. That's the best place to go. Uh, we have something called the Cannabis Compendium. So if you're just learning about medical cannabis and terpenes and cannabinoids and need states, it is literally a compendium for that. So I would encourage you to go there. Um, yeah, following us on Instagram and um, going to our website are the two best ways to uh, stay in touch with Pop and Barkley. Amazing. Well, all of the social handles and websites mentioned in today's show will be listed around this episode. So make sure that you check them out. Read through the blog, the show notes, the highlights and the mentionables and check out the tweetables so that you can stay up to date with what's happening with Papa and Barkley. Also, make sure that you follow me on my adventure through California when I am cruising and perusing the motherland of cannabis, um, my hometown throughout the Bay Area. And I think I'm going to float all the way down into SoCal to check out um, one of these senior education days. I'm super excited about that. So you guys make sure that you follow me and help me pick my weed. As you know, it is our mission to empower you and educate you with the real information Um, When it comes to cannabis and hemp, we want to make sure that you guys are making informed decisions about how you care for yourself, 
the people that you love, conditions you may be suffering from, or otherwise how you're making your decisions to join this incredible and challenging, but very exciting industry. If you are a new business owner or an established business looking for resources or relationships to transform the way that you guys are doing business, breaking through some glass uh, ceilings and brick walls, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com. And if you're someone looking for products that you can depend on, check us out at medicalsecrets.com for our favorite picks. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks, Forrest. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.